frequency dip on D-Side FM. Um, today we've got Ash Ellis and Greg, Greg Tomlinson from the Pursuit of Paranormal. So I guess the next, the first question to you both is um, what are you all about? Greg, you want to say that one? Um, yeah. So we are a podcast that we have been running for about 10 months now. Um, we started in December last year, um, and me and Ash got together following conversations um, whilst we were admins of a poker group uh, on Facebook, and we found out we had a mutual interest in UFOs and the paranormal itself, and we decided and launched pretty quickly a podcast. So our um sort of our thing is we will talk about paranormal and ufo related stories generally ones that are not big in the news although we do focus on some of those but yeah generally stuff that isn't wide and mainstream knowledge to try and help people increase their their knowledge of the subject really yeah because I think I think that's partly why I've started doing the show myself, sort of thing in Wales. Because there's not much around, you know, knowledge-wise for the younger generations, or even, you know, our generation to sort of go out there and, and, you know, sort of listen to it. I mean, I've had the likes of Phil Mantel, which obviously you guys will know, mm-hmm. and yeah. Stephen Mayer as well was on last week, um, and just some American people have popped on the show as well. Pete Robbins has been on. And I thought I would like to get people who are sort of around the Northwest and, you know, that. And I think I've seen Ash do some sky watches sort of thing. I think that's what sort of drew me to him because I thought, oh, he's, do, he's active, if you know what I mean. He's not just doing like a, a podcast. He's doing other stuff with it as well. Yeah. So how have you found that, Ash? Good, yeah. So, uh, so I started off initially with a basically just on the UFO, creating my own website uh, about 18 months ago called UFO Identified. Yeah. Uh, because I always had a big interest in the topic. A couple of years ago, I started taking it pretty more seriously, doing my own research and looking into stuff. And then during lockdown, I was on furlough. Yeah. So I had, so I had a lot of time. So, okay, I'm going to knuckle down. I've got all this free time. I'm going to start doing something serious. And I was looking for basically UK information regarding UFOs. Um, but all the stuff I could find was from years ago, yeah. from the 80s, from the 90s, um, which is all good stuff. It's all good to know. But I sort of wanted to know what was happening now, what's happening today, not yeah. what's happening a couple of decades ago. So I started the site to kind of fill the gap, sort of say this is what's happening today in the UK, because all the stuff we hear about current days in the USA, the Pentagon yeah. reports, the government reports, the videos, it's all USA, USA, USA. Yeah. There's no, no UK stuff, so I thought I'm going to try and fill this gap. Uh, so 18 months later, um, we started the Northwest group. Uh, it, was, it was just a Facebook page originally, a Facebook group. Yeah. Um, but now we've grown to about 600 members and we have regular sky watches, like you say. And we go mm-hmm. to different locations around the Northwest. So we've been to the Whittle, we've been to Merseyside, Liverpool, Southport. Preston, Manchester, so far the last couple of months. Because now yeah. lockdown's eased, we're able to actually meet up in groups and stuff. So we've sort of been hit, hitting it hard with the you know, with the sky watching and it's been uh, well received so far. Yeah. 
Have you had any sort of um, success with viewing anything, Ash, while you've done them? Um, a couple of probably just unusual things. Uh, when we were up at near Chorley, uh, the Angles Ark Reservoir, we were up there one night. There was about five of us. And one of the guys brought along a like, infrared uh, mono, monoscope. Mm. And it's a really powerful one. I was looking at the price of it, and it's in the thousands to buy this particular brand that he had. Yeah. And basically, through that, you can see everything. Like, even though there's some cloud cover, you can see through the clouds and see the satellites and the stars above, like through the clouds. It's that powerful. And so we're just taking turns watching the sky through this, um, this monoscope. Mono and yeah. there was one of the girls looking through it, and she said, Oh, there's a satellite there. It's quite brighter than the other ones. So we all looked up, we could all see it with our naked eye. Yeah. And as we were, there's five of us, we were all watching it. All of a sudden it stopped and started moving in a different direction. Yeah. And so it's right above us, like literally 12 o'clock above us. And then it just sort of went upwards and then disappeared. And none of us could see it anymore. Oh, yeah. That's probably the most unusual one because we all seen it. It wasn't just one of us seeing it. Yeah. And it looked like a satellite until it changed direction and then just disappeared in, in front of our eyes. That's probably the... The one main thing that we've seen that was currently not able to explain what it was. So, how did you find um, Chanik Chase when you went there? I believe you'd gone and visited there at some point. Yeah, it's a couple of months ago now. Um, that's actually the first time Greg and myself actually met up in person. Yeah. Because I'm based in Manchester and Greg's down in Oxfordshire. And we never met in person before, I thought. Let's meet up. Let's uh, go somewhere that's pretty special, which is Canuck Chase because of the history. Yeah. That's uh, all unusual things that's going on in Canuck Chase. For us, why not? That's the perfect place to go. Uh, so we, we spent the full day there and night time doing some investigations and just spent the day having a bit of fun with them. So have you ever thought, both of you, heading up to like, um, Oh, what's the place called now? You know where Paul Sinclair runs his stuff out? There seems to be a lot happening on that. North oh, Benton, Flamborough Head, yeah, that yeah. way. <clears throat> yeah, that's on my bucket list because um, it's, it's only a couple of hours from Manchester. Uh, and like I say, there's a lot of stuff happening out there. There's lots of reports. I keep on tabs with Paul Sinclair's True Proof website and the yeah. read the reports that come in there quite often from up there. Definitely <laughs> something strange goes on up there. There's a young lad I interviewed a couple of weeks ago called Ben Wellgate and he yeah. Wellgate and he'd been up there with his brother and sort of explained seeing stuff and me and my wife we I I'm a bit mad so I wanted to go up there you know for a night and have a look what goes on there because I heard so much from Paul um, and I sort of went up and the only, the only experience that I tell Paul and he knows about was when I was travelling on the lane to go to sort of Bempton Cliffs me um, my dab radio fizzed, you know, like a fizzy sound, and yeah. it stopped for a minute because I thought to myself, well, that shouldn't be happening because normally a dab radio just goes clear. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. A bit eerie for me, and I was like, oh, you know. Um, but we never sort of went anywhere but the Benson sort of bird area. So we sort of went back after that. But I told Paul about it, and he was like, well, that's quite interesting. And I sort of explained to where it was. I think he's got some good investigations going on up there, you know, like that's yeah. quite interesting at the moment. <clears throat> so I guess, because you're both all into like UFOs and paranormal. Mm-hmm. The last person I interviewed was Stephen Mayer, and he reckons now that both of them should go together. I was just wondering what your opinion of that is. 
So we we actually have been talking about that over sort of the last nine months as well, that we speak to a lot of people um, from around the world and when they have a particular sighting of say a UFO, it tends to be sightings of paranormal or activities of the paranormal in similar areas. Uh, and we've discussed many times that we think that the paranormal and UFO and ufology, aliens, cryptids, that it is quite a there's more of a grey area than people would would think between UFOs and ghosts. There, there's definitely more of a link, um, and that one tends to to follow the other. Yeah, because I think the first experience I ever had of it, I, I was a bit of a sucker, and I watched, you know, like Most Haunted, and um, you know the. Liverpool guy who's passed now, I can never remember his name, who was the... Derek Akora. They were in um, Burnley and they were doing, you know, um, the witches area and stuff like that and Pendle Hill. Mm-hmm. And he, he sort of said live on TV, oh, this isn't good, you know, this, is, this isn't off our planet. And I think that was the first time I sort of put two and two together. Mm-hmm. And I thought, mm, I wonder, like, and I went away then and questioned a lot about it, you know, and sort of said, well, if he's saying that, could that not be true sort of thing? Most definitely. Most definitely. We, we've spoken to people, um, one particular person, and um, they've had all sorts of experiences in the same place. So there's been poltergeist activity, there's aliens, men in black, those those kind of thing, all in the vicinity of his a ranch that he lives on. So it's, it's definitely something that we we've spoken about many times because yeah, it is i mean what do you two make of the tic tac thing in america that's coming out at the moment i think that it's a huge step forward because even if the tic tac turned out to be something that can be explained at the minute there's been no like proper explanation for it but even if it did come out to be <coughs> a balloon or whatever and uh, then it's been a huge step forward yeah. It's, it's, it's literally it's four years ago this week actually when the article came out in the New York Times that published these videos with uh, when Tom DeLong and that all pushed forward with to the stars. So it's four years ago this week, and the changes we've seen in them four years has been immense. You've got the government, US government, saying, "Yep, yeah, UFOs are real. These videos are authentic. We don't know what they are." And it can never in the past have imagined the US government saying that, and then to actually come out and say it because of the pressure from the people that are working behind the scenes. Leslie Keynes of, of America, the ones that are pushing the agenda. Yeah. They put enough pressure on the government to say, on them to say, yeah, UFOs exist. And these videos are videos of UFOs effectively. And when we look back at this moment in 20 years' time, it's going to be a pivotal moment. Yeah. So, so whatever these videos turn out to be, I think that's the turning point for the modern UFO age. Yeah. We've got past Roswell, come past the 70 years since Roswell. Of government hiding stuff, of government just denying everything. And now saying, yep, yeah, it's real. We're setting up a task force. We're setting up reporting programs for the military to report anything they see they don't know what it is. It's, they're putting millions of pounds, millions of dollars into their programs, their reporting systems, updating their laws to put it through Congress. And that is just, I think it's changed. Definitely. I think for me, what I noticed when it changed personally was when, you know, stuff, stuff like Bigelow and George Knapp started yeah. pressing the right buttons and then 
they sort of stepped back, didn't they, and let Louis sort of do the rest of it as such, or they were told, no, you know, let Leslie Keynes of the world break the story instead because they've not been interested in, like, UFOs or the life like you have sort of thing. Yeah. And I think that was one, for me, one of the major sort of changing points was when all that sort of Jeremy Corbell started making movies about it and it it got a bit of, you know, behind it as such. Yeah, definitely. So what do you make of Dr. Stephen Gear? Because I know a lot of people have mixed feelings about him. I'll leave that one to you, Ash. <laughs> uh, so personally, um, the whole CU5 movement I'm behind. Uh, the I've never tried it myself personally, but I know a lot of people that have. A lot of people stand by their belief in the CFI that the, the contact is on a spiritual level. Mm. But what my problem with Stephen Gray is just the way he goes about it. Yeah. And everything that he does just relates to money. Yeah. And yeah. When, once you put money in there, then you have to question people's motives. Mm. Uh, like for example, when he when he has his trips out where you can go with him into the desert to see these UFOs on a CE5 trip, it's like thousands, thousands of pounds to go out there. Yeah. And and you have to sign non-disclosure agreements to say that you can't talk about what you're seeing. Mm. And like and it was proven that he had planes sent up dropping flares, and that's what they were seeing on these trips. And then he releases his app to connect basically connect people on CE5 because he yeah. says he wants he wants to connect the world because he needs as many people as possible doing the CE5 stuff so that it works better and on a global level. Yeah. Well if he wants to connect the world like he says he wants to, but he's charging ten pounds to download an app. Yeah. yeah just... I mean I understand like obviously apps cost money and that but ten pounds is a bit too much. If it's like three to five pounds, I'd probably download it and have a go, see what it's all about. Yeah. But ten pounds it's just I just think that's just too much. And again, he just like I said about you follow the money. Once money gets involved, people already seize the money, and it just then that cast out over everything else. Yeah, because I think got to look at the motives behind it. That's where to the star sort of struggled afterwards, wasn't it? After, you know, with the cash flow as well. Afterwards, people were questioning yeah. what are they about, what are, what they're trying to achieve. If we've invested all this money. And now yeah. it's disbanded in its own little way. Yeah, they made a lot of promises uh, to get that money, and I don't think hardly any of it's actually come to fruition. Yeah, uh, and it's a shame, really, because like you take these major steps, and then you get somewhere, and then they sort of get squashed, you know, and you think they were very nearly there. <laughs> yeah. You know, especially with the likes of Tom DeLonge, because you sort of read his story from when he was in Blink One Eight Two to like. Angels and Airways, and he put what he would say a lot on the line for it, didn't he? Such, you know, yeah, you know, he's quitting Blink 182 to actually go into doing the because he was worried about stuff and then actually pushing it. It was like a really strange sort of story, and you know, you'd, you'd feel it with an X Files moment, you know, like from a film at the time, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I guess, um, I'll ask you to what. What's your great bit of advice you'd give somebody young now who's wanting to go into something like this? Don't believe everything you see on social media. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's one that you have to go in with an open mind, do your own research, and don't blindly accept what people are saying to you on Facebook or 
or wherever. Because like Ash said with Stephen Greer, if somebody goes viral for something that they're getting fame and a bit of glory, um, sometimes you just have to question yourself and say, okay, well, somebody's saying this place is haunted or this is a UFO. Um, and just try and do your own research. Don't just blindly believe everything. Mm. I think that that that's my sort of piece of advice uh, and try and get with some like-minded people locally to you so you can bounce ideas and see people because people on the internet are not always who they say they are or, or what they say they are. So. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that about what Greg just said about meeting up people in face to face because obviously with lockdown, the last couple of years it's been hard. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, like social media sort of took over the way that people connect. And just this past weekend, uh, we actually held a UFO conference in Preston. Yeah. And it was, it was sold out. It was very well received. I got a lot of good feedback. And the one thing that kept coming up in the feedback or in the comments was everyone saying it's, it was good to actually talk to people. Yeah. like face to face rather than talking over Twitter or Facebook. It's actually sitting down around a table, having a drink and just talking about it. And I think that's when stuff happens. That's when you can actually feel like you're part of something rather than on social media, you're going to get the trolls and you're going to get all the fake videos. Yeah. People that will blindly believe that what they're seeing is like a UFO or a ghost or an orb when it's clearly something normal. Yeah, but, I think that's... Um... I spoke to a girl called Lauren Fenton, um, and she worked for MUFON. Yeah. And she was saying for her, they do, you know, like they did the meetings and sat down. It was really nice. But the real meetings were the pint afterwards, you know, like the yeah. bar. Yeah, really well, you know, the real discussion, because she was saying that MUFON, they have a certain criteria you have to sort of stick to, and you can't break them laws while you're doing it. But the real stories come out while they sat at a bar having a burger, you know, and a couple, you know, like a couple of pints. Yeah, that's it. Definitely. So, if you were going to like pick out each one of you, what would be the most like wow factor moment that both of you have had? Um. So I've had a few myself. Um, mine's more paranormal than than UFO. I'm still yet to have a, a UFO moment. Um, but I've, I've had many whereby stuff that's happened at the time, so been at a particular haunted location in the UK, the Ancient Ram Inn, and we've been doing a Ouija board session. Yeah. And we sat around in a circle, um, six or eight of us, sort of sat around, the, it was like an oversized Ouija board on um, a wooden casket, like a barrel, yeah. right in the middle. And the, the glass was moving a little bit, nothing too major. And then somebody was starting to sort of make some provocative comments to whatever spirit might be there. And then all of a sudden, it was as though from underneath, the Ouija board was like hit and it flew up into the air a couple of feet and sort of yeah. crashed back down. It was super weird. Um, but that that's probably the, the most uh, scariest moment. 
as it yeah. were um of sin stuff and 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 those kind of things that you've not really been able to to say for for definite but that one in particular has been what stand out for me what about you ash so for me personally i've had just the one apart from the one we talked about earlier uh, yeah. but the one ufo experience i was 10 years old yeah uh, i'm going back to 1997 so I'm probably aging myself a little bit there uh, but it was during when the Hailbot Comet was visible over yeah. the UK for a couple of months. Uh, and we just out, it was a particularly clear night one night. And some of the kids and some of the adults in the street were just out having a look at the comet. And all of a sudden, there was three lights in the shape of a triangle. Yeah. And it just came from near where the comet was and just travelled right across the sky. It took about less than a minute to get from one side of the sky to the other, travelling pretty quick. And you could see a clear, like, triangle shape with three lights in its corner, just travelling across the sky. And that's the thing that, even, even at 10 years old, I was like, what was that? And then I wanted to know what it was. Yeah. So then, so I've been spending, ever since then, I've been trying to find out what it was and what else is out there. So that kicked off my whole interest in it 20 odd years ago. So, Ash, I guess I'll ask you first. Is it like anybody that you've sort of listened to or met that you thought, well, like he, he's been through it? Because sort of. like I had Kevin Parker on a couple of weeks ago and I was like amazed by his story. Yeah. You know? So I think for me, he was like the woe factor for me. So I'm just wondering if there's anybody that's ever been like that for you. Well, uh, probably not spoken to the likes of Kevin uh, Parker. That's, I mean, that's an incredible story. Mm. Uh, but I mean, growing up, uh, when I started getting like into into the topic when I was younger, um, I, Nick Pope was always a face that was there in everything. So sort of grew up sort of in the fan of Nick Pope. But in terms of talking to someone where I've actually just been wow is during the podcast we've had a number of guests on. Yeah, yeah we, t- we talked to him for an hour or so, and then we've ended the call. So me after we finished talking with the guest, we, like yeah. hang up on them, and me and Greg sort of have a debrief about the episode. Yeah. And there's been a few times where we've, like, the callers who's talking to has gone and we both look at each other because we have the video on while we were recording and we're just like, like, what the hell? Like, just the times where I've been speechless, the times where I've just not had any words because the stories that they've been telling us are just incredible. And because when we do the calls, we, well, 99% of the time, the guest is on video call. You know, we only use the audio. We have to yeah. video on as well. And you can see their faces. And yeah, you can, you can see when you're talking to him, you can see in their eyes, you can see the face, and you can see the anguish on the face. Yeah, you tell that whatever's happened, like I believe this person. Mm. And if this is the only stuff that I tell or some of the like the, the stories of what's going on, like this, the guy we talked to gets abducted on a regular basis, and you can see like the distress in his face when he's talking about it. And I'm just like, wow, like just it's just I think that was similar. Um... I had Pete Robbins on and he was, you know, when he told his stories about his younger age and stuff, he was quite, you know, like, whoa. And then he explained about his sister's abductions and stuff like that. Yeah. He, he held himself really together until he he said, all I want is to find out what happened to my sister. And yeah. you sort of think, yeah, you know, this guy, he just wants to know. And that was his whole 
happiness of the tit tat thing because he said it, it leaves him closer to actually finding out what's going on if you know what i mean really yeah, um, yeah. well what is what about you greg is there anybody in your field so um mirroring what ash just said there that we we do speak to a lot of people and where it's on video you can see their faces and that particular guy that ash is on about that was a particular um profound conversation we had a couple of conversations with that chap um but the the one that stands out for me in particular is we spoke to a guy um, called john edmonds and he owns a ranch in america very similar to the skinwalker ranch um but this guy's ranch is even more um active for want of a better phrase and one that sometimes is I only pick up every so often. I get like a YouTube update. Is this the one that he claims is more active and like Bigelow and that should have come to his ranch? Yes. But yeah, I think it's so, yeah. So Bigelow actually put in an offer for his ranch before Skinwalker yeah. Ranch. Um, yeah, the, this guy, uh, it was I'd been trying to get a hold of this guy for some time. We managed to get hold of him and we had like a four hour window from him saying yes he was available to to us speaking to him and me and Ashwa frantically trying to figure out logistically how we're going to do it all because the guy's got no real internet and it was like a um a, a call on a mobile phone he was in his office in Arizona and yeah. it was a crazy crazy conversation and like I said we we were on video on Skype and this guy wasn't and all through of all the claims this this guy was saying we're, we're just like almost open-mouthed um he claimed to have killed 19 gray aliens with a samurai sword in his house or in his ranch yeah. that they abduct his wife on a regular or tried to abduct his wife on a regular basis yeah. um he'd kit when one of the ones that he'd killed he'd taken dna or part of the the DNA that he'd managed to retrieve um, from his samurai sword and sent it to an independent laboratory for testing, which yeah. he's got the the evidence on his website. And to make it even more mysterious, that the prominent scientist who'd done the testing was mysteriously or mysteriously died not long afterwards. And this is all checkable. Um, is all all of it's happened well. All the the death of the scientist happened, and the DNA results have happened. Um, and we, we come off that call, and we said, look, even if one percent of this conversation was true, it, it's incredible. It's mind blowing, and the, the things he was saying was so different to what you would expect to hear on a conversation with somebody when you're talking about even the UFO and paranormal subject that. It was astonishing, astonishing. And I don't think in terms of claims and story and experience this guy's had, I don't think anyone else has really come close, except for this chap that we we've spoken to a couple of times who's told us that he's abducted on a regular basis, right from a youngster he'd had paranormal experiences and UFO experiences. So we do get to speak to some very interesting people and they've got a lot of interesting experiences to share with us and we're very lucky that 
that people are open enough to share some of the stories they have. I think that's sort of one thing I want to try and do at some point. You know, I have a special where the normal everyday people as such who don't come out and tell you the stories can just tell it. You know, I think yeah. there was one Nash's site the other day, you know, on, the, on your mini common where a bloke had actually said a bit about what he'd gone through and he'd never said anything about on a video. Yeah. And I just thought that'd be really cool. Just get, you know, like just to get a load of them in one go and just let them tell the story as such. I know some people are a bit scared of it, but I think it's getting easier now to be able to do it, if you know what I mean, in our, in our time. Yeah, definitely. We've had quite a few guests where they say to us, like, this is the first time I've ever told somebody else about it and they felt comfortable in talking mm-hmm. to us. I just feel very privileged that these people are open up to us because I think it's important for people to have that platform. Yeah. Like we have, even if they don't make it onto the podcast, some people have just messaged us just to tell us. Yeah. They don't, don't want to be on the podcast, they don't want to tell the story publicly. We just want to tell someone, and that someone is us occasionally. And like I say, we're happy to help because I know people, it can affect people quite badly when they feel like they can't talk to anyone. They feel yeah. like, like I say, they're scared, there's a lot, still, still a lot of ridicule. I think it is getting easier with shows like ours and like yours, where people can think, oh, I've had a similar story to that. I'm not so like, abnormal after all. Like, this is something that happens to other people as well. I think that's important. I mean, I was quite surprised, Ash, because um, I played a gig down um, in Devon with my old band years ago, and my the car I had down it was like full of stickers, you know, of I want to believe, and you know, you know, like these ones you get Area 51 sort of yeah. on the back. And this bloke, um, I was parked up, and this chap, and he, he approached me and said, "Are you into UFOs?" So I said, "Well, yeah." He said, "Would you know where I could go to investigate something?" where I wouldn't have to share my name. So I sort of explained to him that you could either go to the national, you know, um, Nick Pope used to send things that where you could go to the national books and look through them, you know, of any yeah. sort of site. So I sort of explained, I said, well, what did you see? And he said, well, I'm a teacher and I'm a science teacher. And he was, he, he said he was retired at the time. And he'd gone into his back garden, smoked a pipe and seen something as a scientist, he couldn't understand. Um, so we wanted to see if anybody else had actually seen that sighting at the time. So I sort of sent him to this website. And on them days, I think there was another UFO path you could go through where the, if people had reported it as well as Mr. X, you know, you could go and read that report. So I sent him to that as well. But it was just mad. He didn't want to give his name. He didn't want to do anything. He said, because I'm a teacher, you know, people will look at me in a different way. Yeah, yeah. I always wondered now, would he tell his story now and would he be telling people his story, you know, because this was just a guy that I'd just met who decided he was going to tell me. <laughs> yeah, but that's, I like I say, that's just what it takes sometimes, just to feel like you're not going to be judged. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's only a good thing. I think, like, like I said a bit earlier, I think this time now, the, like the last couple of years and the next couple of years would be a turning point. When we yeah. look back in the future, it'll be this is the pivotal moment where this is more normal, this is more mainstream now than it than it ever has been. Because I was saying, you know, I, I don't know if you both agree, like I was saying to a couple of people I spoke to, the problem with England at the moment is the UFOs and alien paranormal stuff that has a bit of click to it. It gets put in the sun and the mirror in the paper. So yeah. with the giant green alien picture, you know, of eating a pizza and you think, 
no one's picking it up. You know, like the Washington Post have picked it up in America. None of the big boys have yet to come and pick it up here, really, have they? And sort of experiment with it. So there's still that laughable bit here, I think, where they sort of sheen over it a little bit more. It's still not looped onto it as such. Yeah, definitely. There's, I mean, it's few and far between when you get a, an actual good report. I think when the around June and the June when that UAP Tacit Force report came out, mm. some of the big guns sort of got involved there. There was a really good article in the Guardian. Yeah. And I was actually part of, and like a couple of other more, I guess, highbrow papers sort of got involved a little bit. But then yeah. the months that have passed, it's sort of not popular anymore. And it's sort of gone back to, like, say, the Daily Stars, the Sun. Yeah, the, the, the tabloids. I mean, it was in the, the Daily Star today, talking yeah. about Demi Lovato and her comments about aliens. And they, they pick up that side of it. They don't like take on the serious side of it. And we actually did an article on our website recently by Abigail, and she because we we have a lot of communication with the media, yeah. both local and nationally. And we're reaching out all the time. And one phone calls quite a lot with reporters. Yeah. But we don't continue to post. Either, like you say, the jokey stuff, the like taking the mix stuff, mm. or or the posting information from years ago. Like there's there's an article in Liquid Echo a couple of weeks ago. It's talking about UFO sightings, and it's yeah. from the sixties and seventies. And I'm I'm emailing the Echo quite regularly with like what's happening today, like these reports over the last couple of months, but they stick to stuff that happened years ago. It's just yeah. just doesn't make sense. And we've got an article about it how. Like maybe the reasons behind it, there's been reasons whether they've been told to not take it seriously, maybe yeah. it's part of some kind of cover-up, or maybe they just don't care, and they just, like you say, see it's a joke, and then joke stories get more clicks than serious yeah. articles do. That's sort of where I was surprised, because, um, especially with the Echo, because when I was, I was shielding, you know, through COVID myself, so yeah. I was bored out of my head, so I started looking up everything from, like, UFOs to even Elon Musk's thing, and I managed to get a video of Elon Musk's, um, uh, you know, these, these, the things he's doing at the moment with the little satellites. Starlink. Yeah. yeah. And I managed to get the Starlink going over my house, but speeded it up on night cam. And then next thing, I put it on my, um, Twitter just saying I was seeing this last night. And everybody, everybody in paper wanted to use it. You know, can we use that? Just they'd seen it. I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> And then my mates were like, well, why didn't you ask them for money? And I thought, well, I can't because I'm shielding. I'm getting paid by the NHS already. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just little wacky things like that, you know, sort of. There is a lot up there and it is about, like, looking, isn't it? I know, like, my wife at the time, she thought she'd seen, um, well, she she's pretty 100% sure she's seen a UFO going down the M57 towards the airport. And she pointed it out to me and pointed it out to me. No word of a lie. I couldn't see a, a blimmin' thing. Two days later, the Echo had a report in there that someone had taken a photo from an airliner with the sighting. And she was like, that's what I saw. And I was like, well, why couldn't I see it? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we we seem to get a lot of, um, especially because I live in Liverpool, so... I know I'm on D side, but I live on Liverpool. But we seem to get a lot of um, sort of sightings, sort of St Helens way, you know, that way, and sort of yeah. um, near Frodsham, you know, near all the power plants. You hear a lot of stuff around there. Yeah. Uh, is there a certain hot point 
in the northwest where you guys sort of know that's where you probably can go and probably see something at some point? Well, I think um, a lot of the northwest is, like I say, quite a bit of a hot spot. And there's a place called Werneth Low in South Manchester. Yeah. And we go there quite regularly for sky watches. It's at the top of a hill and it's all yeah. overlooks South Manchester and Manchester Airport. Yeah, I used to go there. One of my um, bass players used to live on the actual hill. So we used to go there for the fireworks night and just watch fireworks from because you could see all the Stockport, couldn't you, in Manchester? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a really nice place. You have, um, like, say, a wide, you have a complete like panoramic view of the whole, like, the whole sky. One side's quite like lit up because it's Manchester, but it's still dark enough to be able to see like, a clear sky. And there's been a lot of reports from up there. And one of the guys that came with us on the last guy watch, who lives right near the hill, yeah. He, some of the stuff he was telling us, like he's convinced that like the hill means something. It's got yeah. like plus just the things that he's seen around the hill, and that I've made to find sort of nearby as well. Sort of think why like like why this area? I mean, being close to an airport's always can be a reason. Yeah, because yeah, there's lots of like got planes and helicopters and other stuff going off. But some of like some of the stories you're telling me, I'm just like like they're not planes there. That's definitely something going on. I think up. Oh, uh, Preston as well. You go from that sort of Preston up past Lancaster, yeah. and sort of South Lakes. Seems to be a lot of stuff going on, on there, and that's quite an open area. But it is also where they do a lot of military flights and stuff as well up there, like yeah. training flights. That could be a reason. Whether it's the military planes being seen or whether there's something there checking them out, who knows? I mean, we're in a flow. I I did have. A really sort of spook. Well, I didn't have a super spooky sort of thing in Winterflow. One year, um, I used to go. I used to live in like Hill Green near the airport, um, and we drove up like a group of us in the car. And um, what we did, we ended up in Style um, Mill, if you know it. And yeah, yeah. the lad who was driving went and left me in the middle of Style Mill on my own, and just drove off with the other lads. So I was like pretty much crap in it because it was like one in the morning um, <laughs> but eventually they came back and picked us up so we went to Werner Low and you know where the pub is the actual pub on the hill yeah yeah like a left turning up there somewhere now we drove up there and did exactly the same to one of my mates and left him and we get left him for about half an hour because we thought he's in a safe place he knows my mate lives around the corner but I think he was so like gone by it so we came over this hill and drew and he just got into the car and said never do that ever again to me so we were like why and he says just don't and he wouldn't talk to us all the way home so he eventually got home and then explained that he'd walked a couple of like moments to try and find us and saw these like beam of lights that he thought were us off the car um came over the hill and all he saw was an owl. So he'd booked two and two together because obviously every UFO story has an owl. So he absolutely yeah. legged it down to Werner Low pub. He was that scared. Right. And he said, I wasn't stopping until I could find someone. He said, luckily, you lot were the drivers that come round the corner. And he, he just wouldn't go back up Werner Low after that for a while. He just said, I don't want the experience of it. So that, it definitely is something weird there, you know, in, in sort of a, a way of it. Yeah, it's definitely a strange place. Even standing up there, like you say, it was, it, there's, that, there's a lot of feeling when you're up there. It's just, mm -hmm. it, it's a strange place, that's for sure. 
So I, I think because I used to like rehearsing the garage on Word of Flow, it never felt a threat to me, but other people always used to say they could feel it, you know, and it wasn't right and could we go home? To me, it was just like, well, it's just a bit of wind whistling around, you know, stop moving your little head. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, where would you reckon, Greg, would be the most haunted place you've probably gone to? Uh, probably the ancient Ram Inn, like I mentioned a little bit before with the Ouija board. That um, That is probably the, or supposedly one of the most haunted places uh, in the UK. I'm actually going back there in a couple of weeks. We, I belong to a paranormal group in, yeah. in the town there where I live and um, we, we're hiring out for the night so we can spend the night investigating. Um, so the ancient Ramin definitely has had a lot of experiences by people over the years. Yeah. Um, you've got places like 30s Drive that public can go to, which is in Pontefract, yeah. um, which is where the film When the Lights Went Out is based on the story of the, the black monk of Pontefract. Uh, allegedly haunts the house um, as a poltergeist. Um, there's, to be honest with you, there's so many places. There's Oxford Castle. There's all manner of old sort of houses and stately homes. The the UK, we're fortunate enough that the UK has like thousands of years worth of history. Yeah. Um, so over those years, lots of things of and events have taken place in certain locations, which. Uh, helps sort of the activity in certain areas and so there's there's plenty plenty of places we are very fortunate i think for me the most haunted place i've actually sort of experienced there's two places i went on one of these ghost walks you know where somebody holds a candle around yep. um, edinburgh okay and I, yeah and nice. both me and my wife sort of felt a bit eerie and they explained that you could feel this young child sometimes run past me. My wife's at the time, she said I could feel something brush past me at the time. Wow. And she didn't want to mention it. And the other one, um, Ash will know, is um, Bramall Park. Um, I went there once with a group of friends and we were told of this experience of like, there was supposed to be in the hall um, a nun that run like a you know a thing for children who were like just born and they were homeless after mm -hmm. the war and then um, we challenged ourselves as a group many nights to go around different places and Bramall Hall was one of them and I remember hearing well it was really weird I seen this pack of like foxes walk across you know, the pathway and then it was like this really eerie scream of go away. And it was quite clear and there's no one there because it was just me and a couple of my mates. So it was, you know, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. And these foxes sort of scuttered. But from turning round and looking at them and then turning back to look at them again, they just airily carried on the walk, you know, across the place. And we, we just decided to go home then. <laughs> <laughs> How did that make you feel, though? It was really eerie. Um because a lot of us were trying and you go for that phase, don't you? Because there's like four of you in a group. Did you hear someone shout that? And everybody said that they heard a woman shout, go away quite clearly. And we actually 
then chose to walk around the hall just to see if anybody was like knocking around because them days you could it wasn't all locked up in national trust you could just walk in you know and just like sit around and there was nothing there at all nothing at all no one there apart from these like there was about seven foxes that just gradually walked across you know and it was eerie we were like no you know let's not be stupid here and do something silly let's just go home <laughs> yeah i'll do the same uh, that, that actually reminds me of something you said earlier um right at the start about young people or people new to the the subject what they should or shouldn't do they should actually be surround yourself with people that you trust if you go anywhere yeah so if you go to somewhere that haunted that you you actually want people with you that are not going to try and make things up as well yeah. and like i've I've been on a a paranormal hunt with a group that i belonged to before this current one yeah. and we went and investigated a bus museum and there were some weird things happen don't yeah. get me wrong there were some weird things happen. you could smell like burning wood inside this museum it was it was quite weird then all of a sudden there was a sound of like a stone or a coin or something being thrown yeah and this was the first time meeting these people and i uh, i said to the the guy who run the the group yeah I said that wasn't anything weird that was somebody who chucked something i said yeah. I, and i'm pretty sure i knew which person it was um and it turned out that a few others um in the group felt that this this chap was actually creating some activity as it were um, whenever i watch most haunted i always think you know the husband mm -hmm. i'm 100 sure he throws stuff half the time oh he does he does <laughs> he um the, yeah yeah there's lots of things happen that the most haunted yeah who <laughs> uh, try to to hide there was a particular live episode from 30 East Drive actually yeah. it's very famous and you can see the clip on YouTube so I'm not saying anything that's yeah. not true um, and he gets pulled back up the stairs by an invisible force but when you look at the, the YouTube clip is actually a bit of rope that's pulling him back up the stairs <laughs> and, it, and it's things like that uh, that don't help the paranormal community okay. everything because there's so many people out there posting fake stuff so it is definitely you need to be with people that you know you can trust yeah. which is like i said when you can see people's faces and meet people face to face they're less likely to um be dishonest to your face it's, yeah. it's a bit more difficult to uh, lie to someone's face but yeah because i think most if if somebody asked me what the most spookiest moment in my life i had was mm. we'd been to oldly edge and done you know the edge and sat on it and pretty nice much place on it but we felt i fell asleep on you know the, the the far edge um where you you you, you can get down to the tunnels and stuff because the edge yeah, is yeah. up room we've fallen down like sleep for a couple of hours and we've been you know basically i didn't drink that much but a lot of my mates did so i used to do the driving and just take 20 pounds and just drive anywhere they wanted me to <laughs> the edge was the choice so we were coming home one night and 
a couple of lads were absolutely hammered. So they said that famous word, if there's anything out there, you know, we've been on the edge. Is anything there? <laughs> Show yourself, you know, or do something. And we'd driven from Oldley Edge and I got to a place called Hanforth and my tyre popped. <sighs> and no word of a lie, we drove home to Hill Green with that popped tyre. Because <laughs> <laughs> none of us would get out of the car to change it. We got home like... <laughs> Don't blame you. But it was like four lads and two of them didn't even believe in like ghosts or anything. They were quite sort of scientifically where, you know, you don't get that, that doesn't happen, but they wouldn't even get out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've had it. similar experiences, haven't we, Dave? Yeah. It's mad, it's just mad, isn't it? And he, literally the lad who shouted it out, uh, he just kept his mouth shut all the way and never said it ever again. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it's, I guess... It's... Go on, sorry. I was going to say, it can be quite humbling sometimes that these people who think, oh, there's nothing spooky out there and yeah. um, don't believe in all that rubbish, as some people say, and then something can happen and instantly they can become a believer. Yeah. And you have flashbacks of all these horror movies and The Exorcist and all these all these kind of films just hit you at once and everybody becomes very scared at that point. Well, that's it. I mean, we used to, like, stroll through, you know, like, graveyards in Wimslow and out the edge at strange hours of the morning not get affected by it at all you know and just go well, what's that you know let's go home sort of thing nothing mm. happening here because we all wanted to like have a bit of experience of it you know and just see if there was anything ever there like but I hadn't I had apart from you know like the little movement of the foxes and maybe me tire popping I've never had a full-on spooky experience where I thought whoa you know this has crossed my line now I don't like it sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess now, um, probably my next sort of question is, what are you two going to be up to in the next couple of months and what have you got planned? Well, <laughs> so well, obviously yep. we've got up to Halloween. Yeah. Um, so we're planning the Halloween special episode for the podcast. Um. Alongside that, we're also coming up to our one-year anniversary of the podcast at the start oh. of December. Yeah. So we've got getting plans in motion to have a big, big episode for for that one. Because we've, we've done an episode every week uh, yeah. since we started last December. Uh, we didn't know how long we'd last once we started it, but we've, we've gone this far and we've, we've uh, doing pretty well at the minute. We, we were nominated for a podcast award. Yeah. Uh, last month, last couple of months, and uh, the awards is on this Sunday actually, so we may. We might win that award, we've got to find out yet. Um, And we're also starting a new series on our podcast alongside the regular. We have an episode out every Tuesday. That's our our bread and butter, that's our main main episode. And we do the odd bonus episode every few weeks or a couple of months or so. But we're starting a new series um, on Halloween weekend. Um, So that'll be every Saturday. We're going to have an episode every Tuesday and an episode every Saturday. So at the minute, that's currently what we're, we're getting in motion really oh cool what sort of guests are you going to have on are you going to just have a mix smash or are they going to be certain people um, yeah go on Greg yeah so we, we we reach out to people um on social media we we reach out to people that we hear about that have had um experiences people contact us and say can you check this video um seen this or this is happening in our life can 
what what do you think so we we try and get a broad range of people that we we contact to say look we've seen this story would you like to come on to the podcast talk to us about it it's it's audio only you don't have to use your name yeah all that kind of stuff and we like we said before it is is a platform for people to air their experience whether or not they've shared it before or or not but we we do have people contact us like one of the guys the the email had reached us somehow it's about the 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 email address wrong it was undelivered but it came to us with the undeliverable message um and we we struck up a conversation on email then got him on the podcast and we've spoke to him a couple of times so yeah. people people contact us about stuff and weird things happen and um so we 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 try and sort of mix up paranormal ufo encrypted um, yeah. subjects just to give a, a an overview of each of each area um so people can can see the whole spectrum of the paranormal i suppose yeah. it's like it's I mean, my show tends to go out two weeks ahead of itself, sort of things. So at the moment, we're not in studios and stuff. Mm. So, like, we've got um, this week, this Friday, I've got um, Michael Lee Hill. He's quite an interesting character. He is a bit of a rocker from Florida, and he's written stuff with the likes of David Lee Roth. But he believes that um, he's a new. Is it a new guy? He believes he's new guy blood, and that certain messages from like crop circles were for him so we could oh. put the world right and he records everything musically now at a certain frequency apparently it was really, it was quite an interesting it's quite in depth some of it's a bit like whoa you know like mm, but some of it's really good if you sort of listen to it and he, he's done quite a lot you know for like sort of Asian aliens and stuff like that so he is quite an interesting chap yeah and and it's, it just lent me to sort of look at other stuff as well, you know, because of what he'd said. It's normally I'd just go for people who, you know, seen a UFO where he believes he's never seen something, but he knows the frequency for it and stuff like that. It's really interesting. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like some of that. Yeah. I'd highly recommend, I know I'm coming, I'd highly recommend Ashto reaching out to Calvin Parker because he'll, he'll do an interview, you know if he's got time because I thought when I spoke to Phil Mantel he wouldn't and then a couple of days later he said yeah I'm bored let's go for it and he just did it and he came on you know and did like an hour and then sort of spoke to me briefly after the hour about what he'd experienced and he's such an interesting bloke it's amazing what he he sort of went through you know in his time yeah but uh I guess now the last question and final question for the night before I let you guys get off. Um, where do you find you? Hiya. Sorry, did I lose you there? Hello. Hiya. I lost you there. Yeah, I was just going to say... Um, where do we find you? So you can you can find us on social all, all social media. We're on Facebook. Um, you can search for us as Pursuit of the Paranormal Podcast, and that yeah. should come up. 
Um, you can get the podcast on all um, podcast providers, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you get, get your podcast. We're on Instagram, which is Pursuit of the Paranormal. So we, we're pretty much over everywhere. Um, but Facebook tends to be the place where a lot of people congregate on our page yeah. um, and share stories and, and comment on episodes we're releasing and, and such like. We've also got a website, sorry. Oh, sorry, right. Ash, I forgot to mention that. So we've got www.pursuitoftheparanormal.co.uk. Um, and Ash has all also got his UFO stuff as well. Okay, yeah. cool. So if anyone has like a, a question from my listeners, can they head over and hit you with one? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, cool. All right, well, um, I'll wrap it up. And thanks so much, guys. Uh, I'll probably have you on again if that's all right at some point, you know, when further up the road again, have a chat. I'm going to try and do. Yeah, live one at some point where people can phone in and do questions when we're back in the studio um because it's in wales it's under welsh rule at the moment so it's a little bit different to england so obviously england's all back in but wales is still a bit dubious about putting loads of people in the room yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah thank you very much for that and cheers yeah thank you. yeah thank you very much You've been listening to Frequency Dip and that was Ash Ellis and Greg Tomlinson from The Pursuit of the Paranormal.